0: Now it's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings, Witness Radio, with your host, Ryan Muniak.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, the only show that doesn't care about ratings because our sole purpose is to save souls. On purpose, go to witnesstalkradio.org for more episodes and syndication options. You can connect with the show on social media or by calling 513 Today, I have a very special guest, good friend of mine, Dr. Anthony Silvestro. He was once a diehard evolutionist, but now he's turned into a biblical creationist, and he teaches adults and kids alike that God didn't create man from baboons. He teaches that the Bible can be trusted from beginning to end. But he doesn't stop there. You see, Dr. Silvestro also teaches that the biblical apologetic method, presuppositional apologetics, is beneficial and is helpful in equipping Christians to proclaim the gospel. And the best part is, he actually can tell you how to apply it out there on the street, and he does it himself. Dr. Anthony Silvestro, thank you so much for being on Witness Radio today.
0: Thank you for having me, brother.
1: Why don't you start off by telling the listeners a little bit more about you? Tell us about your ministry. Tell us about your testimony.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well. So, to, you know, to make a long story short, I I grew up as a Roman Catholic. So when you're first generation Italian, you are just born into Catholicism. And uh, you know, looking back, I considered myself a good Catholic because you know most of most Catholics that we knew went to church just twice a year on. Christmas and Easter, and in my family, we went three times a year—Christmas, Easter, and Palm Sunday. So we loved to grab the palms. Um, you know, but growing up in in a in a false religion and cult, you know, you don't have a sense of who God actually is. And uh, through my entire childhood and, and upbringing, um, we weren't obviously close with the true God, and mm-hmm. it manifested itself really through my entire childhood, teenage years, and, and even into early adulthood. As you had mentioned, I was a pretty blatant evolutionist, um, militant almost in some ways. And, and, it, and it happened like this, is that when you think about your childhood growing up, and I think most people can relate to this if you grow up in a secular school system, that you're going to grow up and you're going to be watching commercials from three or four years of, of age on dinosaurs that lived millions of years ago. You're going, to, you're going to hear about um, or you're going to read in books and you're going to see on TV shows um, different things about the dinosaurs and the age of the earth. You're going to see the geologic rock record. You're going to learn about that in elementary school, how this earth is billions of years old based on the rocks. And so you have this entire foundation that's laid during your entire childhood years so that by the time you get to ninth grade or 10th grade high school biology class, where if you had none of that foundation laid and you just walked right into class and they told you, you know what, you came from something like a monkey, you'd have thought that was a ludicrous statement. Except that you already had all this foundation laid, like I did, all of those years that you just buy into it. And so I became an evolutionist in ninth grade. And while I didn't have an idea of who God really was, anything that I may have had was was quickly put to bed. And uh, I had become an evolutionist. And uh, that carried all the way through my high school, college years, and even into dental school years and um, and out of it. So I went to a four-year undergrad where I majored in math and chemistry here at Baldwin Wallace University in, in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. And then went down to Ohio State University College of Dentistry for a dental degree. And uh, it wasn't until a few years after um, I became a dentist that I got saved. And what's really interesting is that after I got saved, I was still a blatant evolutionist, still believed mm. in an old earth, still believed that we came from something like a monkey. And I went several years like this, even to the point of some of my Christian friends who stood on a six day creation. I ridiculed mercilessly to, or, or I, I ridiculed them real bad. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it wasn't until the Lord opened my eyes that really changed everything in my life. And so what ended up happening is is a few years after I had gotten saved, my wife and I were driving down to uh, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, for a medical missions conference, something that I had really no interest in doing, but my wife had been on missions trips in the past, and so she really wanted to go down to this conference. So we had canceled... The conference was supposed to start Thursday morning. We canceled all our patients on Wednesday, so we could take the the entire day to take the drive, six-hour drive down there. And um, lo and behold, we're just outside of Cincinnati, a little more than halfway through the drive. And we got a phone call from a friend who we were supposed to be meeting down at this conference. He said, hey, what time are you guys leaving tomorrow? I said, what are you talking about? We're already halfway here. It starts tomorrow morning. And she tells us well no actually it doesn't it doesn't start till Friday morning and so you know we, we my wife made a mistake and we actually left an entire date early for this conference
1: oh I bet you were upset with her
0: oh I was upset I was really upset you know <laughs> and you know what's funny is that we're both Italian and, and so I was upset and my wife didn't say a word it was it was Amazing, because usually that you know would not happen in an Italian household.
1: Yeah, that's (laughs) usually when you know the wife is angry is when there's no words coming out.
0: Right, right. (laughs) So, um, what ends up happening next is what really started, what really changed the entire focus of my life.
1: You're listening to this video
0: after our friend realized that we were down there a day early. She said, hey, you know what? We heard about this museum outside of Cincinnati called the Creation Museum. We've never been there, but we've heard great things about it. Maybe you guys should check it out tomorrow morning on your way down to Louisville. And and I said, you know what? Maybe that's a good idea. I'll check this out. So I went on to my phone. You know, Thank God for iPhones, right? And so mm-hmm. I go on the Internet, check out the Creation Museum. And I told Julie, I'm like, you know what? We're going to go here. We're going to stop here tonight. Find a hotel, and uh, we're going to go here tomorrow morning and check it out for a couple of hours. And, you know, up until this point, I was trying to figure out how to amalgamate evolution and the Bible, how to amalgamate an old earth and the Bible. And so, you know, going to this museum, I I don't know what I was expecting to see, but I was Mm -hmm. told it was a good place, so I was going to go check it out. It was about the book of Genesis. And so we walked to the museum, and what was really interesting that next morning is The first room of the museum tours, I know you're well aware of, Ryan, is that there's two scientists that have perched on a mound of of fossils, dinosaur bones. And the first scientist is saying, he's looking at this dinosaur bone and saying, you know, I look at this bone and because I believe the earth to be billions of years old... And that dinosaurs died off by some type of catastrophe, like an asteroid 65 million years ago, that this bone must be at least 65 million years old. And then you see the camera pan over to the scientist sitting next, right next to him. And that scientist says, you know, so that's what my colleague believes, but for, as for me, I'm a, I believe in the Bible. I'm a Christian. And I know that because what the Bible says that this earth is only about 6,000 or so years old, that this bone, this dinosaur bone can't be any older than 6,000 years. And so hmm. what, we, what I saw there in this first room is it, what I didn't understand at the time was, was what would end up leading me into presuppositional apologetics. But it was this. You have two scientists who, com- who, who stand on completely different worldviews who are looking the exact same piece of evidence. The exact Mm -hmm. same fossil, but coming to two completely different conclusions. And so after getting through that room, the rest of the museum was showing the science that I'd never seen before supporting a young earth, showing how the science supports the Bible and its accuracy. And uh, I met Dr. Jason Lyle that day, who spent over an hour with me to, act, to talk to me about some brain questions I had about distant starlight and radiometric dating methods. And I walked out of that museum with, a, with two hands full of books and videos and telling my wife that I had to rethink everything I've ever learned. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was, it was really that dramatic for me. And so I spent the next several months studying, I would watch, I watched every video to the point where I, my, I'd send my wife and son to bed about nine o'clock, like always, um, tuck him in. And then I went down to my basement where I've got a little TV and a, and a reclining chair and popped a video in. And I would sit there five, six nights a week for hours at a time, playing a video for 10 seconds, writing a word for word what the speaker was saying, stop, rewind, go forward until I had every video outlined. Wow. And I just started learning about creation and, uh, and the Lord literally changed everything. I, I was able to trust the Bible from cover to cover from Genesis to revelation. And, that's um, great. yeah. And so that's where I stand today is, is <laughs> I was once an unsaved evolutionist who got saved who the Lord opened my eyes to the fact that His word is completely true.
1: Well, praise God. So, tell me when. How how was it that you were actually saved? Uh, briefly.
0: Well, <laughs> the only way that you can be saved is when you have a realization of your sin, and the Lord saves you. And um, you know, it was it was a sin problem in my life that um, that my eyes were open to, and and crying out to God for that.
1: Okay, very cool. So now, tell us a little bit about your life, your background. You said that you went to school for dentistry, correct?
0: Correct. And and obviously now I'm a practicing dentist. I've been practicing for almost 13 years now here in the Cleveland area and I have, have really enjoyed it. And so, you know, one of the stories I love to share about about practice is this, is that as you know, Ryan, my my wife and I work together in the office. She's, she's the office manager and I'm the dentist in the back. But one of the, one of the really interesting stories that, that I'd love to share here, <clears throat> there was a point where a few years into practice with my wife, she came up with a brilliant idea of taking this really large picture she had and, and wanting to hang it in the waiting room of the office that had scripture on it. And I said, Jolie, you can't do that. We're going to turn patients off. We're going to turn patients away. It's not a good thing. And, uh, mm. And I said, "Well, you know what? We'll we'll pray about it, Julie." She really wanted it up. There. I said, "We'll pray about it, okay?" And so, you know, this was a, a Thursday. She told me this. We weren't working Friday and Saturday that week, and so we had a few days to to really pray about it. And so Sunday, I, I, after praying, I said, "You know, Julie, I'm comfortable. Let's let's put it up there." You know, we're supposed to be witnesses of Christ, and and we're we can't we're not supposed to be ashamed of Him, not ashamed of the gospel. So, right. um, I said, "Yeah, let's let's put it up." Now, of course. You know my wife. She was going to put it up anyway. (laughs) Right.
1: Happy wife, happy life.
0: That's right. So so it was going to go up anyway. But, you know, so she, we put that picture up. We actually put a few others up on that Sunday afternoon after church. And, um, first patient Monday morning walked in. 7.30 7.30 in the morning, saw the picture right when he walked in and said, I can't believe you're pushing that stuff on us. I'm never coming back here again. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> my, my heart sunk. And it actually, almost the exact same conversation happened with somebody in the afternoon as well. Um, but yeah, there were a couple oh. of people who did notice it that day and said, oh, it's nice that it's up. But nobody was really that affirmative in it. You know, Just the two really negative comments. Mm-hmm. Um, we obviously pushed through. We left it up there and What was really interesting after all this is that up until that point, nobody really knew that my wife and I were Christians. Nobody did.
1: Oh, that's not good.
0: It's not good at all, right? Um, This is my my infancy of of Christianity. But uh, after those were up, it seemed like the floodgates opened in the office. Patients who were Christian who never said anything, who never witnessed to us (laughs) – started talking. The phones were, I don't want to say ran off the hook, but we had a lot of new patient phone calls. Almost all of them were Christians. Uh, we changed the entire dynamic of our office to the point that that we today have conversations constantly about the gospel. Very cool. I look for every opportunity to speak to people. Um, we have, as you've seen in the past, we have a couple of bookshelves in the waiting room that are full of different gospel I call paraphernalia um yeah. yeah, we have, room. yeah we have gospel tracks and, you know, Ray Comfort stuff. I love Ray Comfort's ministry. You know, as as you know, I'm forever thankful to you when you and I met not too many years ago and you handed me hell's best cup secret for the first time. Right. And uh, it was just one of those life changing, life defining moments in understanding the gospel properly. Um, and so, you know, I buy those in bulk and I keep those in my office. And so every patient that claims they're a Christian, everyone who's a professing Christian, I give them that CD to listen to. Very um, cool. So we carry a bunch of other stuff and just, it's been a, it's been an amazing environment in there.
1: So I'm going to put you on the spot right now, Anthony. How do you transition from talking about dentistry into a gospel conversation?
0: You know, it's actually, it's a lot easier than you think. And so the way that, the way that I do it is you, is you make very simple comments about things. I, I look for every opportunity to talk about God's design of the mouth. Anytime somebody asks me a question about dentistry because I mean almost every patient asks at every visit they ask something they're curious about something about teeth or the tongue or the tissue or the, the ligaments that hold the teeth in place um and in every instance it gives me an opportunity to talk about God's design of it all and that's how I transition into the gospel
1: very cool
0: so yeah it's it's really it's 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 an, it's a very easy way to do it there
1: very neat. Tell us a little bit about creation revival, what your purpose and goal for this ministry is.
0: Sure. Well, you know, one thing that was really disappointing to me, is, as I briefly mentioned earlier, is that when I was still, when I was saved, but still an evolutionist, and some of my Christian friends who were creationists and I, would tell me that they were creationists, I ridiculed them, and they had no defense. There was nothing they could say other than, now look, it's great to say, this is what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. but there is nothing they could do in talking about the actual science that supports the Bible. Not that we need it. The Bible is enough. The Bible is our ultimate authority as Christians. Um, but there is something to be said for first Peter three 15. So totally I'd be prepared to give an answer. There is, there's no doubt that we should understand the apologetic. We should understand the science behind God's creation. God gave us science as a gift. And so part of our ministry is is wanting to go out there and teach creation apologetics so people understand, Christians, so Christians understand the basis of science and how it supports the Bible, specifically regarding Genesis 1 through 11. Mm-hmm. The other part of the ministry is this. I I get the fact that, that there are ministries out there, most of which... Rely on heavy donations. They rely on needing to go to large churches who can pay expenses and pay speaker fees to keep the ministry going. And I understand that we're, we are to be paying for the workers in Christ. Mm-hmm. But at the same point, there are a lot of churches out there that can't afford it. There's a lot of just small right. churches that can't afford to bring in the speakers and pay all these speaker fees. And so, you know, the Lord's blessed us with, with a great dental office. And one of the ways that we wanted to be able to use the Lord's money that he's entrusted to us, because again, nothing that we have, we own, right? It's all his that he lets us mm-hmm. use. And um, we, we fund our own ministry. And so our goal is to be able to get into wherever people want us, large church, small church, Bible study, Awana group homeschool study, wherever, whatever, we want to be able to go and provide it for free. Um, you know we will take a love offering if, if it's offered to us, but we certainly don't go anywhere with any expectations at all. And so that's what our ministry is about is we want to be able to get the creation apologetics out there.
1: I know that everyone listening, what they really want to know is about presuppositional apologetics and how to apply them, out on the street let's get into that as soon as we come back from the break you're listening to witness radio
0: If you're looking for a conference where you can be trained on biblical evangelism and street-level apologetics, especially on questions regarding biblical creation, we have just the conference for you. Our list of speakers is Pastor Andrew Rappaport from Striving for Eternity Ministries, Dr. Anthony Sylvester Jr. from Creation Revival Ministries, and Ricky Gantz from G220 Ministries and the G220 radio host. There will be a free lunch and free registration for those who are registered by April 15th. Go to www.RememberMinistries.org to register.
1: Ohio Fire is coming to Columbus, Ohio, April 8th and 9th. Hosted by Striving for Eternity Ministries, Ohio Fire will encourage and train Christians to mature in their faith and share the gospel with the lost. Hear Phil Johnson and Dr. Thomas White on the topic, the Word of God. And after the conference, you'll have a chance to hit the streets of Columbus with trained team leaders. Ohio Fire, April 8th and 9th. For details and to register, go to OhioFire.org. Welcome back to Witness Radio. Again, we're talking with Dr. Anthony Silvestro, creation speaker and presuppositional apologist. And today he's talking to us about presuppositional apologetics and how to use them on the street. Anthony, thank you again for being on the show. Let's get into the nitty gritty. Okay. Tell us first, what is presuppositional apologetics?
0: Well, presuppositive apologetics, I think the best way to explain it is to to compare and contrast with, with the most popular apologetic method out there, which is evidential apologetics. And so in evidential apologetics, this is made famous by guys like Lee Strobel, Josh McDowell, and the like. These are guys mm-hmm. who have compiled evidences, and when they get into encounters with people. They just throw evidences at people trying to convince them that that person's wrong and that they themselves are actually right. But you know, one thing that we, we probably have all seen over and over again, when we use evidences to try to convince people, does it ever actually change people's minds? And the answer is, is typically no. Right. And why is that? Well, when I, as I talked about the example in the last segment concerning the creation museum, You had two scientists looking at the exact same piece of evidence that came to completely different conclusions. And why is that? Because they stood on two completely different worldviews. And those worldviews is what causes people to interpret evidences in that way. So you can have all the evidences you want for a young Earth creation, Give all the evidences you want for why the Bible is true, for why uh, we know the Bible hasn't changed over time. We can give all the apologetics for that. And in fact, as Christians, I, we should love them. You know, they're great. It's great to test mm-hmm. your faith. But when we give those evidences to somebody who's an unbeliever, they are not filtering those evidences through a Christian worldview. They're filtering those evidences through a worldview that is completely opposite of the Christian worldview. That is at enmity with the Christian worldview. So they're not interpreting those evidences the same way we do. Right, And so what presuppositional apologetics does is instead of throwing evidences at people to try to change their mind, what this does instead is it goes after the very worldview they stand on. And what's interesting about it all is that if you ask the average person today who is a post-millennialist, a relativist, who believes Mm -hmm. that your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. Ask them how many worldviews there are. You might have to explain what a worldview is. But ask them what happens when somebody dies. And they're going to give you a response like, well, I believe this, but a Hindu believes this, and a Buddhist believes this, and a Mormon believes this. And and they'll go on down a list. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that are there really that many worldviews out there? Because, see, according to the Bible, when I read a verse such as Matthew 1230, it said, Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Or we read in Romans 8, 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Mm -hmm. Or James 4, 4, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. See, what's clear about the Bible is that there are not multiple worldviews. There are two worldviews. There is God and there is not God. The one true okay. creator, God, not God. That's it. And that so we laugh. as Christians have to understand this. We have to understand that it's it's either Jesus or it's not Jesus. Amen. And so that's that's really the starting point for us as Christians. We, we have to understand that with that, there's no such thing as a neutral ground. There is no kind of Jesus and kind of not. Mm-hmm we can't talk to an unbeliever who says, Hey, you know what? Give up your Bible and let's meet it. Let's, let's meet halfway because once you give up your Bible, you are stepping onto enemy territory. You're stepping onto their worldview onto their turf. There is no neutral ground there because again, right. Jesus said, you're with me or you're against me. And the and so, Bible
1: is our sword. You know, the Bible is our, our weapon in, in the battle. If you, you are standing there facing a burglar in the middle of the night. And he says, hey, put down that gun you have pointed at me. Let's meet on neutral ground. Why in the world would you set that down? No, you shoot him or you tell him, get out your house.
0: That's right. That's right. I mean, we, you could read in Ephesians six ten through 17, putting on the whole armor of God. Why would you not want to do that? Right. You know, why would you lay all that down that he's given us? So I agree completely with you there, you know, but when we talk about, you know, to answer your question fully, Ryan, is when we talk about presupposition apologetics, it really is about the mindset. And it's about understanding that we stand in the Bible, the entire that the Bible is is God's word and it's all true. Mm -hmm. And so that is that is our foundation. That is our starting point. And so if we use that as our starting point, which we are called to do, every time we walk into a witnessing encounter, and this is so vitally important for every Christian to understand, this is one of the biggest things that I teach on and I really try to repeat over and over again when I speak. If we go and read Romans 1, starting in verse 18, we have, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And so Ryan, I'm going to put you on the spot here. According to the Bible, who knows that God exists?
1: Well, according to the passage you just read, everybody.
0: Everybody.
1: Uh, let, let me ask you this, because I get this all the time when I bring Romans one out. Is well, that just talks about they know that a God exists, but it doesn't talk about the one true God, right?
0: Uh, it actually talks about the one true God. So, so right, you know, what if somebody claims that they're Hindu and they believe in one of the billions of Hindu gods? or that they're Buddhist, they still believe in the one true God. And, and how do we know this in this passage? Well, God says that everybody knows who he is by his creation and they know his attributes by his creation and that they're going to stand without excuse he furthermore in that passage he says that the people who suppress the truth about him they do it in their unrighteousness and their sin. So we can be confident that in every person we walk up to in a witnessing encounter, whether they acknowledge it or not, they know the true God that exists. You're listening to this Let's move on to Romans two, and we're gonna we're gonna read verses fourteen and fifteen here. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. When the cartoons on TV depict a person who's trying to make a decision and they've got an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, that's a depiction of of a conscience that the Lord wrote on our hearts. Mm. We understand an absolute right and wrong because he wrote it on us, on every one of us. And so (laughs) what I love about these verses here is that as, as you subscribe to and, and as I subscribe to, biblically speaking, to share the gospel, there's there's really there's really one way to do it. It's it's going to be using the law, showing people their sin, and mm-hmm. then giving them the good news of the gospel.
1: Right. Law to the proud, grace to the humble.
0: That's right. And, and so even when you hear other guys talk about there's other ways, like Todd Friel will often say, well, you know, if you don't want to preach the law, Just preach God's holiness. Why? Because if you preach God's holiness, people are going to understand that they're not holy, right? They're going to understand the sin nature. Mm -hmm. So no matter what, it, it comes back to sin. And so what's beautiful about these passages is that every encounter we walk into, that person knows the true God that exists. He has a conscience. He knows right from wrong. And when we present the law, we let the power of the gospel do the work. We let the power of God's word do the work, not us. We don't have to come up with crafty arguments. We don't have to come up with, we don't have to be really smart, trying out smart people. We just have to let God's word do the talking.
1: Amen. That's one reason that I, that I really love presuppositional apologetics is a, you're taking God's word or you're taking God at his word and B, it's God's word. It's living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. So it is going to do all the work for you. Why right. Why? Why don't people use God's word more often? It's powerful.
0: Well, I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about before with the ne- neutrality thing. I think all too often, we as Christians are willing to give up our sword, mm. even though we're not supposed to. You know, the moment an evolutionist, an atheist, any other worldview comes to us and says, again... You know what? You put down your Bible and, and uh, you know, we'll just meet here on this neutral ground. They're not being neutral. That's not even a neutral position for them to say that. Yeah, I, I don't understand why Christians do it either. I don't know if we're intimidated by, by the unbelievers or we're trying to be ultra friendly to them, but we certainly shouldn't be putting down the weapons and the armor that we've been given.
1: I agree. Amen. Where can people go to find out more about your ministry or how can people contact you to have you come out to their church or next event?
0: The easiest way to get a hold of me would be through email, which is creationrevival at gmail.com. My website is not quite up yet. One thing I didn't mention earlier is that, you know, we've been speaking at churches for years. And so we're still getting a web page up and doing those types of things right now. But um, eventually creationrevival.org will be the website.
1: Well, Anthony, again, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing with us a little bit about how we can use the Bible in our evangelism efforts. And listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others so that they also may be edified. And until next time, the fields are ripe for the harvest. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and share the gospel. May God bless you.
0: Witness Radio
1: has been brought to you by the Muniac family.